Section 43 of The American Book of the Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Natalia Cox. The American Book of the Dog, G. O. Shields, Editor. Section 43, The Italian Greyhound, by G. Irwin Royce, M.D. History has not told us with any degree of certainty when or where this delicate, sensitive, and graceful little animal originated, but it is safe to conclude that it had the same origin as the other types of the greyhound family, that by careful breeding, and no doubt by considerable inbreeding, it has been reduced to its present size and form, and from the name we may reasonably infer that it has long been known as a native of Italy— it is also plentiful in southern France, and in other countries where the climate is always mild and equable. The Italian greyhound was taken to England about the time of Charles I. At least this is as far back as any account is given of their being seen in that country, and since their introduction there they have been bred down to finer and more perfect models, more nearly resembling in conformation the larger type of greyhound— Still, they have always been the same delicate, graceful creature that we see them today, and they have ever been the favorites of the nobility in nearly all parts of Europe where they can survive. We read of them as the pets of the Montagues and the Capulets, and even in our own day some of the best specimens extant have been in the possession of Her Majesty the Queen of England. Poets have immortalized this dog in verse— and Lancer, Paul Veronese, and others of the old masters have employed their brushes to faithfully chronicle his exquisite formation and graceful outlines. Comparing the more modern form of the Italian greyhound with pictures of the older specimens, we see but slight variation between the various models. In fact, the Italian is but a miniature English greyhound in most of his points of beauty, with rather larger and more languishing eyes, and a more delicate color to his coat. These latter excellencies no doubt contribute largely to their popularity, and have been instrumental in making them the pets of royalty and the inmates of chateaux and palaces. There has probably been less change in their general formation than that of any other variety of the canine race, and still in but rare instances has anything like the correct type been produced— the noted Molly, owned by Mr. W. MacDonald of Winchmore Hill, Middlesex, England, having been nearer perfection than any other Italian ever brought to public notice. She was small, of a delicate dove color, especially good in head, and all judges under whose observation she came pronounced her nearly perfect. There have been but few fanciers in this country who have given attention to breeding this toy dog— and consequently, at the present time, few good specimens are seen at our bench shows. Only now and then is one seen in this country that at all approaches the standard of the breed. But I see a gradual tendency toward substituting the Italian for the pug and other toy varieties, and in the near future we may look for a vast improvement in these pets. They are grace itself, and their beauty— their loving disposition, delicate sensitiveness, and scrupulous cleanliness make them an ornament and a delight to any household. Occasionally they have been utilized in the field for coursing hares, but with poor success, 
for having so long been confined to the parlor, the hunting instinct has lain dormant, and should the average Italian greyhound be shown a hare, a rat, or other vermin, he would undoubtedly show fear rather than a desire to kill. Now and then one may be seen with courage enough to stand for his rights, and may be so pugnacious as to dispute your right of entrance to the house. Two good specimens that have been under my observation for several years will destroy the largest rat with all the skill and eagerness of a terrier, and I can see no reason why the breed should not serve a useful purpose in this direction. But it will require considerable care in breeding and training to overcome the natural timidity and the extreme sensitiveness that they possess in such a marked degree. Those bred in England and in this country have only been used as pets and lapdogs, but in Italy they have been put to more practical use, and there they show more courage, gameness, and better staying qualities. Where the questionable sport of box-coursing with small rabbits has been indulged in, the Italian greyhound has been crossed out with the fox-terrier and the bull-terrier, with the object of increasing the speed of the terrier and adding to the gameness of the Italian. The cross produces a very useful little dog, with a strong inclination toward the form of the terrier, and such dogs have been found useful in coursing hares. The Italian has also been crossed with the black and tan terrier, with a view to softening and refining the latter, and the experiment has been attended with considerable success, but it is necessary to breed back to the terrier the second time, to fully establish the color and restore the formation to the standard for that breed. I can see but little to be gained by outcrossing with the English greyhound, as only a small specimen of the greyhound would be the result, and this would be neither ornamental nor useful, and there could scarcely be any gain in either formation or disposition. But the position that they should occupy in the canine world is that of a lapdog or parlor pet. Here they are in their true element, and one can lavish on them all the affection that he may desire, and it will be reciprocated with as nearly human love as can be expected in any one of the domestic animals. They are as loving as a dove, and delicate enough in their manifestations of affection to satisfy the most sensitive and refined lady. They are harmless, amiable, and ornamental, and their elegant attitudes and delicate shades of color can but please the most fastidious. They are never happier or more contented than when curled up in the lap of a loving mistress, feeling the gentle caress and enjoying the natural warmth and magnetism of the human body. During the warm weather they enjoy a romp on the lawn, but it is usually of short duration, and the appearance of a rude boy or a large strange dog will be the signal for a sudden disappearance, and they hie away to a place of safety. Being naturally of a delicate constitution, and with a very thin skin, the Italian is sensitive to sudden changes of temperature, even in summer, and at the approach of autumn they show that pinched-up look that is so characteristic of a cold dog. Should they be exposed to cold and dampness combined for any length of time, they would likely contract so severe a disease as to carry them off in a short time. The tendency would be towards some form of lung disease. They should therefore be carefully guarded against severe changes, and when taken out should be warmly clothed with a neat blanket— but should they contract any disease, the utmost care should be exercised in administering treatment, for remember they are like a frail infant. 
The medicine given should be scrupulously reduced to minimum doses, and only the milder preparations should be used in treating any skin eruption with which they may be afflicted. Other portions of this work will give full directions for treating diseases of the dog, but I wish to especially enjoin care in the matter of dose, for even the physician is not always careful enough in graduating the prescription to the more delicately organized human being. The Italian should have, in formation, the same points of excellence as the English greyhound, with little or no variation from the fixed standard, but the special fanciers of this variety of the species allow considerable margin in some few points, as in the form of the head, the greater fullness of the eye often giving them that dish-faced appearance that greatly detracts from the beauty of a large greyhound. Their tails are inclined to be shorter in proportion to the size of the body, their ears larger, and much allowance is made for the lack of muscle, but by judicious and careful breeding these points can be wholly overcome, and a specimen that will, in truth, be a miniature English greyhound will reward the efforts of the fancier. However, in too many instances, instead of breeding to produce a perfect Italian greyhound, the money value only has been considered, and little effort has been made in this country to build up a reliable strain of this breed. My first experience in trying to secure one of the Italians was so unfortunate that it put a damper on my enthusiasm which took some years to overcome. I sent to a breeder in one of the western states for a female, and after receiving several very enthusiastic letters concluded to order one. When the little creature came, to keep her company the party sent along a changed dog, weighing somewhere about twelve pounds, on chance of my taking him too. I received them of the express company, paying, I remember, a rather long price for the immense box in which they were shipped, took them home in the evening to the suburbs of the city in which I then resided, opened the box with all confidence that they would come to me to be fondled, but what was my astonishment to find them as wild as a coyote? They would scarcely come near the house, and for two weeks were like wild dogs, staying in the woods and fields at a good safe distance from any residence. They were finally captured in a large trap by a neighbor, after two days of careful watching, he being especially stimulated by a reward of five dollars that I offered. They were once more tamed, and after a time I gave them away, as the female was practically valueless as a breeder, and the dog wholly so, of course. Both were very poor specimens of the breed. I have since purchased six of different breeders, but only two out of the lot were at all suitable for breeding purposes, and I have been led to conclude that there are no really scientific breeders that are giving attention to the Italian greyhound. If there is one, I have not been fortunate enough to learn the fact. There are several grand good specimens scattered about, but they are owned by individuals who have them simply for their own pleasure, as in the case of Peach, who is owned by Mr. Hansen of Topeka, Kansas. She is a fine specimen, and no money consideration would tempt him to part with her. Peach weighs about seven and one-half pounds, is of a rich golden fawn color, and is quite symmetrical throughout. She would undoubtedly win on the bench in company with the best of them. The standard and points of judging an Italian greyhound are as follows. Head, value five. Neck, five. 
ears and eyes, five, legs and feet, ten, forequarters, ten, hindquarters, ten, tail, five, coat, five, color, fifteen, symmetry, fifteen, size, fifteen, total, one hundred. The head, value five, if possible, should be as snake-like as that of the English greyhound, but such formation is now never met with. The nearer it approaches it, the better. In all recent exhibits, the skull is more or less round, and the face, though still pointed, is too short, with a tendency to turn up. The neck, value five, is long and elegant, resembling closely its larger congener. Ears and eyes, value five. Many modern prize-takers are deficient in the proper shape of the ear, but this should not be overlooked, for it still exists in the breed as an exact counterpart of the English greyhound's corresponding organ, though always somewhat enlarged in comparison with the body. The eye is much larger proportionately, soft and languishing, but it ought never to weep. The color of the iris is usually a dark brown. Legs and feet, value ten. See the greyhound. Forequarters, value ten. See the greyhound. Hindquarters, value ten. As with the last two sections, the only difference lies in comparative value, the English dog's points being estimated from the workmanlike view, while the Italian is regarded from an artistic standpoint. The tail, value five, is somewhat shorter than the English dog's, but it must be gently curved in the same tobacco pipe way, and should be fine in bone except at the root, as well as free from hair. The coat, value five, should be short, soft, and silky. The color, value fifteen, of the Italian greyhound, is largely to be taken into consideration, and is consequently estimated at a high figure. Fawns are now far in the ascendant, and to no other color would the full value be accorded. A small star on the breast, or a white toe, takes off a point or two according to the extent of white, but in all cases the toenails should be dark. The symmetry, value fifteen, of this little dog must be carefully estimated, as a want of elegance in detail, or of combination in due proportion, alike lowers the value of these points separately to a very low ebb. The size, value fifteen, of the bitch for modern successful exhibition should be little over five pounds, nor should the dog exceed seven or seven and one-half pounds. Beyond these weights a specimen, however good in other respects, has little or no chance of a first prize in anything like a good class. The Italian greyhound is not a prolific breeder, and but few of the females are strong enough to nourish a large litter. To balance this, not more than three or four are usually produced in a litter, though occasionally there may be six. But should this occur, a foster mother will have to be secured, or hand-raising resorted to, in order to save those that the delicate mother is not able to nourish. It is therefore wise to provide for such an emergency that the whole litter may be saved, for generally the smaller and more desirable ones would succumb first to lack of care.
The food most suitable for the Italian at all times is table scraps. These should be carefully prepared by mixing bread, cooked meat, and potatoes with a little gravy, milk, or the like. If too much meat is given, they are apt to contract skin disease, which is quite difficult to overcome. But he won't eat anything but meat, you may say. That may be so now, but by reducing the quantity and gradually mixing other articles with the meat, you can bring about a radical change, even in the case of an old dog. Begin with the puppy, and you can mold his taste to your liking. The Italian must have plain food and a certain amount of vegetable matter, and all should be free from pepper, mustard, and acids. You should vary the diet, more or less, giving different articles of food every few days. Preparation for the bench show is simple enough, but a few suggestions may not be amiss. Be especially careful not to have the dog too fat. This is a common fault and can be overcome by reducing the diet and giving plenty of vigorous exercise, but they should be round and smooth, with coats glossy, the bony framework showing the least bit, and with as much muscle as can be developed conventionally. As, however, they are not designed for field work, muscle is not so important. They need not be washed very frequently, as their cleanly habits will obviate the necessity for this, but rubbing with a damp cloth, followed by a vigorous application of a dry flannel and the dry hand, will serve the purpose much better. The rubbing will also serve to develop the muscles. Get the dog accustomed to the ways of the street and to strangers, and your task is finished. The principles of breeding will undoubtedly be thoroughly treated of in other portions of the work, but there seems to be so little heed given to the careful directions for improving the different varieties of the domestic animals that repetition becomes fairly a necessity. In selecting a mate for an Italian greyhound, the first consideration should be to overcome any defects that may exist, and at the same time to preserve in the offspring the good qualities that either or both parents may possess. Of course a dog nearly perfect is desired, if it be possible to secure such, but you can at least get a mate that is strong and fine where yours may be deficient. If your dog has a bad head, get a mate with a specially good head. If his tail is too short, see that the mate has a good long tail. In some of the young you will be sure to combine the good qualities of both parents. Keep such, and still try and go on to perfection. The greatest care should be exercised, lest some of the most valuable puppies be lost. Reserve the best always. Select carefully, and nick properly should be the motto in breeding. The greyhound family is deservedly popular, and as the larger varieties are brought into favorable notice through their valuable qualities as coursers, I hope to see their more elegant but feebler relatives, modestly and timidly though they may be, share in the general popularity of these aristocratic dogs. End of section 43 Recording by Natalia Cox